0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson and I am your host. Today is October 21st, 2014, and I am really pleased and excited to have on Dr. Carl Hart and who's coming to us from New York. And uh Carl is an associate professor at Columbia University and he is so he is a professor associate professor of psychology and psychiatry at Columbia and he's known for his research in drug abuse and drug addiction. Hart was the first tenured African American professor of sciences at Columbia University. Carl Hart has won the NAACP Image Award for outstanding literary work and Carl was the first tenured when um, they say uh, to African American Professor of Sciences, so we'll talk about that if that's different than the first statement. Um, also, uh, I saw you on TED Talks. I saw him on um, uh, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, and it was amazing. And I'm just going to bring you right on here right now.
1: Hi there, welcome to Hello. the show. Hey, nice to be here, Monica. Just want to make one correction. Uh, I didn't win the NAACP Image Award. I won the um, Penn Literary Science Award.
0: Oh, the Pin Award. Okay. Yes. All right. I will fix it. I don't know where I grabbed that off of. And Okay. <laughs> All right. What is that award? The
1: Penn Literary Science Award. Yeah. It's the, um, I don't know, it's a major uh, writing award uh, for science. Also, for uh, they give out awards for a variety of uh genres, whether it's um, um, poetry, um, uh, fiction writing, um, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was really honored.
0: Congratulations. Thank, Thank you, you. for being on my show. So everybody out there, I want to just talk to my bloggers and my – the chat room is not working today. I'm so sorry because it would just be so massive. I don't know why. It looks like I needed to do an update and I was so busy. Um but anyway, sorry. So those of you who are listening, are at right, 818-475-9211, you can call in and listen. Uh, there's nothing I can do about it now. So people are used to actually having a live chat where many of them talk as we are talking. And uh, so sorry, guys. We'll have to have uh, Professor Carl Hart back on. Um, I started to read your book and I couldn't get a hold of it uh, but I got online and started reading and I'm really glad I did because I read about your childhood which was pretty traumatic. Um, Do you want to start with a little bit of your background? What what would you like to talk about on this show with Uh, me today?
1: Well it's uh, it's up to you but when you say the childhood traumatic uh, as a kid you don't know it's traumatic so I don't I don't know if we we think about this in the right way. I mean, that was part of the reason that I wrote the book. I think that people tend to think of people who grew up like me. I grew up in the hood. I grew up in poverty. My mom and dad had some physical confrontations, and um, they were divorced when I was uh, six years old. Um, so people tend to think of children in those situations in that situation as being all bad. And one of the reasons I wrote the book was to show that, yeah, it can be, but there are also a lot of positive things that happen in those kind of situations. Like
2: you learn how
1: to be self self-sufficient. You learn how to entertain yourself. You learn how to... Do a variety of things. You learn how to read people's nonverbal communications or nonverbal sort of gestures uh, a lot more uh, closely, astutely. Um, there are a number of beneficial things that happen, but we tend to focus on in a society the negative things. And so, right. um, not right. to, not to say not to say I don't want to minimize the negative things, but I just want people to understand that uh, kids growing up in those situations aren't um, they all aren't all doomed. That's
0: it. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, I related a little bit. I mean, my mother, I think not. I don't think she broke a wine bottle over my father's head. And um, so I grew up in, I don't think, the same kind of background that you did, but related to, very quickly, some of the stuff. But, uh, you know, I've watched you on these shows, and especially the TED Talks that I found you on uh, YouTube, and then what went to the Amy Goodman thing. And I'm really curious because I don't know if you know anything about me. Do you know anything about me?
1: No, I know you have this blog, this radio blog, but no, that's it.
0: <laughs> so I'm somebody, well, I mean, we don't need to talk about a lot of it, but uh, I'm really, really interested in the science that you've been studying and about um, the you know, the uh, failed war on drugs and what we've been taught and what the media has bombarded us with. And the truth, and um so I've been seeking the truth about you know alcohol and drug overuse issues, and uh what the science is you know what a real scientist is coming up with and I found from interviewing like some people at Harvard or one person that Alcoholics Anonymous got pretty entrenched in there in the nineteen forties and has kind of still been there and I was really curious. Uh, first, I'd like to talk about what you've learned, you know, what you know, and then I, I am curious about how you, if you came across all of the AA and all 12-step stuff that is so entrenched in America. So I'm making a film called The 13th Step, which is exposing yes. predatory behavior in know alcoholism. that. Yes. Okay, yes. right? And as a result of making the film, uh, so I was a stepper for a long time. So I was an insider, and I left. I've been gone for three and a half years, and I drink moderately now, very successfully, without even trying. Okay, so I was really brainwashed, and um, I've unbrainwashed myself, and I'm like happier than I could ever be. But the world needs to change with this stuff. And you're uh, and, and amazing when I heard you speak. So I'm gonna let you speak. <laughs> Tell me what you <laughs> what you uh, you know discovered. Because I was really curious, like, did you come across a lot of steppers in Columbia?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, well, not really. You don't find the steppers in academe. You know, academe for a long time has kind of dismissed AA at some level. I mean, the thing about AA is that it's a really good place for social interactions and establishing social relationships. But when it comes to drugs, they don't know much about drugs, really. I mean, alcohol, this was one of me. I mean, alcohol. And so, but that's okay. A lot of people in the society don't know much about drugs. They, and, and, and so I don't, I don't want to, like, uh, discourage people from establishing those social relationships. They are so important, just in general. But yeah, the but it's not a that good people, place
0: to do that. <laughs> that's not a good place. Well, you should know that if you ser- don't know that.
1: That's well, not a safe place. <laughs> right. There certainly can be predators and that sort of thing, but there are predators everywhere. I mean, I, I get that. The thing that I want to just emphasize is that, like, the notion that people can't drink alcohol without going down this the, this pathway where they just are so destructive, we've known that in science for a number of years. There have been studies that have shown that. And so um, and that's one of the major tenets. And if you know my book, I don't focus on people who have – Alcohol and drug problems. I hate saying I, I just drug problems because alcohol is a problem. I don't really right. focus on the people who have a problem because they have received too much or a disproportionate amount of attention as it is. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of us who use drugs and have used drugs mm-hmm. don't have a problem, but all mm-hmm. the, the most of the attention goes to the ten to twenty percent who has a problem, a problem, right. and that's and that's a problem.
0: Yeah. So when
1: you when you look when as I stepped back and started to think about this and saying well thinking that well most of the people who use heroin who use alcohol who use all of these drugs don't have a problem so that immediately tells you that well is it's not the substance it's got to be other, thing, other factors. How about we look at these other factors?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Co-occurring psychiatric illnesses,
2: mm-hmm. uh, lack
1: of other opportunities, lack mm-hmm. of responsibilities, skill sets. Maybe we need to teach people how to be more responsible in terms right. of the DSM criteria. It has a lot to do with responsibility. So right. there are a number of other factors that we can look at, and I think that we have we have failed to do that in part because we have looked at a limited model, the AA model, and then mm. a limited group of people.
0: Right, right.
1: So I'm, I'm I'm just trying to do my best to broaden the scope.
0: Yeah, well, I really I, I agree with you, and I think uh, it's really important. Like I learned about Craft, you know, the spinoff of like Smart Recovery has a program yes. for family. Totally different modality, kind of on what you're talking about, but I do think I really. I think there's a lot of truth. I don't know if you know this, but I'm married to a black man, and I so I really understand racism is alive and well you know, in the United States today. In 2014, in Los Angeles, we both, he and I grew up in New York City. So I want to talk about, because I did read a little bit in your book, and you talk about this, about racism and about poverty. And can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that... Uh, has happened in the American society in the past 40 years, uh, particularly after Ronald Reagan. So that's like maybe 30 some years ago. Ronald Reagan was elected 34 years ago, I guess. And But mm-hmm. in the past 40 years or so in the United States, we have been engaged in this sort of wink and nod sort of uh, discussion or talk about race. That is, we have all agreed to be dishonest about race in the united states so mm-hmm. if you ask young people you ask people what is racism what is racial discrimination who's a racist
0: right. people
1: are clueless they just are unaware and so one of the things i tried to do with the book was the first let's all let's talk the same language when i think about racial discrimination what is racial discrimination uh, racial discrimination is an act when this act or so when one group is unfairly or unjustly uh treated in some way, we can think about I don't I'm not sure if you're familiar with the crack powder laws, the crack cocaine powder uh, cocaine yes, laws. Are you yes, familiar I am. with
0: those? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Right. So we think about that, for example. There are uh, 80% of the people uh, convicted under those laws that treat crack 100 times more harshly than powder. It's been changed recently to decrease that disparity, but it's still inappropriate. But the point is is that 80% of the people who were convicted under that law are black, even though most of the people who use crack cocaine are white. And so right. that's a, that's a case where this group is disproportionately treated unfairly. Right. And so that's race, thats racial discrimination. Now mm-hmm. in the country, we are reluctant to call it what it is. Now, mm-hmm. now that's okay. And then so we think about the lawmakers who passed that law. You say, well, did they intend for that law to unjustly affect black people? Probably not, because sixteen of the twenty black congressional caucus members voted for that law. So mm-hmm. you say, all right. What happens then when this, when when people are made aware of this injustice? Do they change the law, change their behavior, have some change to rectify the problem? Well, the U.S. Sentencing Commission, the people who decide what the uh, sanctions will be for each uh, criminal infraction, decided yes, we're going to change this law.
0: But right. Congress,
1: Congress, and Bill Clinton blocked this change. And wow! So really? Even though, even though they were aware of this deleterious, or negative effect the law was having on this selective group of people, black people, they right. decided not to do anything and to block it. And so, those people who blocked the law, we call them racist. It's not that they're racist in every aspect of their life or anything like that, but in right. this condition, this situation, they are racist. And so we have been reluctant, for example, to call Bill Clinton a racist. He was uh-huh. aware of this, and that is clear racist behavior. <laughs> and, and so we have to do these sorts of things. Right. I mean, we can we can we can do it. We can go. We can think about New York City today. We have this policy called stop and frisk. A uh-huh. disproportionate number of black and brown men are stopped and frisked, uh, and so this has been brought to the mayor's attention. Bloomberg, the previous mayor, and the current right. mayor. But this policy continues, and they they defend this policy. We call How is this them... It's
0: even legal. Reasons. I mean, to me, yeah, I mean, to me, that this is called, you know, uh, profiling. Yeah, Stop so uh, it, mm. it,
1: it, it's worse than profiling. Profiling <laughs> is something that you have on paper and so forth. This is an actual action. This is worse than profiling.
0: No. Uh, yeah, I know. Are, I've heard about it, yeah. They,
1: they're carrying that, this out. And, and and so those sorts of things, the society, our current president, is reluctant to call racial discrimination racial discrimination. He is reluctant to say anything about race. So if you have this kind of situation going on in a society mm-hmm. where you have this agreement that no one will talk about it, there's gonna be no progress, and then so you when you say, believe it or not, racism still exists. It's like no shit. I mean, yeah, you said yeah. that as, <laughs> as if, as if that's like news. It's not well, news, but it, it it's news in the United States because we all have agreed not to talk about it.
0: What, well, you know, I, first of all, I want to say that that's what my husband said with Ferguson. That you know, Obama didn't say anything. He didn't come out. We were outraged that you know nothing was said. But why do you think? That not just him, but that it's it's that way. What, what, why is it that way? Do you think?
1: Uh, why is it that way? I, yeah. I think it's that way in part because we all have been cowards, and we have all, many of us, have uh, not done our job. We haven't. Uh, mm-hmm. We haven't done the same sort of things that generations before us did. People like James Baldwin. People like uh, Malcolm X, Fannie Lou Hamer, mm-hmm. and those kind of people were mm-hmm. out there calling a spade a spade, and we we haven't been as honest, and that's so one of the you, reasons I've the How did that book. happen
0: to a whole generation? You see, I think that what I'm dealing with has something to do with it. I think AA has something to do with that. Brainwashing. No, we got, uh, co-,
1: what? No, we got co we got co opted. I mean,
0: do but, you yeah, think? Yeah, but, but trust- by who besides AA? I mean, who who else did we get co opted? The media. Uh, uh you
1: know. yeah, yeah. There's absolutely the media. I mean, if you say these kinds of things, it's like you're less likely to be invited back on the media. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there are ways to be co opted. There are ways to be like you know your job. All of those sorts of things. We got we got bought off.
0: Mm. Well, you're talking. Is there anybody else besides you?
1: <laughs> oh, Cornell West has been pretty clear about these sorts of things. He's been outstanding on these issues.
0: Yeah, Cornell West is great. And uh, he's have you been on Bill Maher yet? I have. You have? I missed you. When were you on him?
1: I was on Bill Maher last September.
0: Oh my am I could have to look for it and watch it. Um I'm talking to Carl Hart, Professor Carl Hart, uh and he is the author of High Price, uh book came out in two thousand and thirteen and um he is at Columbia University. Um yeah. I, okay. So you become a professor when in your life? Like what at what point from where you were at did you say the only way I'm going to make change or I want to become a professor? When did that happen?
1: Well, I don't know when when that happened, but what I did, what what did happen was when I was in undergrad, well, I I was in the Air Force. I went to the Air Force after high school because I didn't get the basketball scholarship that I thought I should get. So uh, I spent most of my time overseas, actually, all of my time overseas, most of my time in England, about three years in England. Mm -hmm. And while in England, I I had an opportunity to really look at the uh, American society, particularly related to race relations. And so I learned a lot. And my, I had my reality corroborated. I, I realized I wasn't crazy. There was something going on in America in, ter, in, in terms of unfairness. There was something right. going on. So I, that really got me to want to study and learn. And so I, I, I completed my college um, undergraduate studies, and then I wanted to learn about the brain. And so one way to learn about the brain was to go to graduate school and study neuroscience, and, and that's what I did. And from there, I um, – Was learning all of these cool things, and I just kept. I I just wanted to continue to learn, Mm -hmm. and um, one way to continue to learn or be in a learning environment was to aim for being a professor, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to constantly change, learn, grow, and be pushed, and that's what happens in university spaces when it's done right.
0: Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, What school? Where did you study in England?
1: uh the university of maryland is it, on military bases uh in England, so there's a contract so the University of maryland basically
0: wow, but you were in England where this difference with the whole deal with black and white correct and yeah it's, it's different there the like
1: it's 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 different for American blacks in England because as an american black in english it it was uh, you were you were an american and and so you had higher status than say a person from Jamaica in England uh because they they had their own issues and uh, they they certainly uh had their problems with their um uh, folks from India and uh, Jamaicans so I don't want to I don't want to paint a picture that the British had their race relations right because they have their <laughs> they have some serious issues. Okay. Uh, but it just gave it gave me a respite. It gave me an opportunity to get away from American racism.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Um yeah, I I think okay, so the thing about the uh, you uh, like the studies that you've done. I thought that was very interesting cuz I was you know, also told my sons are 20 and 24 and they, you know, got the D.A.R.E. program here in Culver City in Los Angeles and all about the first time, you know, you did crack and cocaine and that study that you did where you actually offered the money and they chose the money over the over the crack, right? You want to tell yeah. our listeners that that little uh, research you did? I yeah. think that's very interesting.
1: Yeah, so when I was an undergraduate student, one of the first things that I learned in my drugs class is that, Drugs like cocaine and methamphetamine were so addictive that if you gave an animal uh, an opportunity to receive um, intravenous injection of these drugs by pressing a the lever, they would press that lever until it kills them. Wow. And you know, so so that was evidence that these drugs were so dangerous and so addictive. But I learned later like in graduate school and later in my education that the only thing that the animals had in their cages were those levers that led to drug self administration right like if the only thing you had was to press this lever, I mean I'm pressing that lever, right. but when you put- when you allowed the animal access to a sexually receptive mate or even some sweet treats like banana chips or sweet water, yeah. mm-hmm. they chose those other options over drug, and so wow. what it told me what it told me was that maybe these drugs are not as addictive as we, as I had believed. It'd be mm-hmm. interesting to do a human study. Uh, right. Um, and so one of the things we did was just basically try to repeat that animal study by bringing people who were uh, identified as crack cocaine addicts, as classified from the DSM,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: into the lab um, and give them a choice between um uh, five dollars and uh, a hit of crack cocaine worth more than five dollars. Give them several choices over several days, and see how it turns out. And what it right. turned out, how it turned out, was that they chose crack cocaine on about the same number of opportunities as they chose money. So even a small amount of money, like five dollars, was enough to shift crack cocaine taking behavior at least half the uh, way, at least half of the opportunity. But when you right. increase the amount of money to something like $20, they almost n- never take the drug. They take the money. And mm-hmm. so it says that even people who are addicted to drugs like crack cocaine and methamphetamine can and do make rational choices, even in the face, uh, presented with an opportunity to take their drug of choice.
0: I love that. I love that. Now it brings me to uh, something I've been hearing a lot, uh, which I try to prove it's not in my film: brain disease. You know, it's addiction. Someone, even someone who's not dependent. Oh, it's a brain disease, or it's behavior. Um, yeah. Can you talk about yeah. that?
1: Well, so when people say it's a brain disease, you say, w- "What do you mean? Show me this disease." No one will be able to show you. Let's just say a brain of someone who's used drugs versus someone who didn't use drugs, and they can't tell you from a brain image or something of that nature who used drugs and who didn't. They wouldn't be able to tell you that. So it's like, what do you mean when you say brain mm-hmm. disease? Mm-hmm. You mean, do you mean something like Parkinson's disease where we can see 70% or 80% of the dopamine neurons in the midbrain destroyed are gone? Or like Alzheimer's in some cases where we can see plaques and tangles it's. Do you mean a brain disease like that? Because if you do, there's no evidence for that. Oh my. So, uh, so you, you so they can't say that. So it's like, well, what do you mean? Well, drugs affect the brain. That's absolutely right. This conversation, we call it learning. That affects the brain. My brain is changing in this conversation. So oh you have to inter- interrogate what exactly people mean. It, what, what the brain sort of uh, conversation about drugs... Um, it's really become a smoke, stream, a smoke screen. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's some of the worst sort of logic that's applied in any sort of endeavor. Now, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean we shouldn't look at the brain or try and right. figure out what's going on in the brain. I think it's exciting. That's how I got in this field. But I think right. people just overstate what we know about the brain and drugs, and they overstate uh, what has actually been found.
0: Well, why don't I hear people like, why aren't you the head of NIDA or our drug czar instead of these people who are, pr- you know, promoting this nonsense, which is like you just said, a smokescreen. It's not true. I interviewed a neuroscientist, a neurosurgeon, you know, who actually said exactly what you're saying. So why are we, don't we have scientists and people like yourself and Dr. Barkadarian, you know, to talk to the media and say it's not a brain disease. You know, it's um. Anyway, well, why why not? Like, who's who's running this show here? I'm, never mind. <laughs> Well, I
1: mean that's that's why I wrote the book. I mean, I think like people are getting the message and they are call, calling uh, folks who are out here perpetuating this brain disease myth. They're calling them on their BS, and and right. so I think that's what this is all a part of. This is a part of public education, increasing the public intellectual tone around these discussions, and people will be embarrassed when they go on and say, it's a brain disease. And somebody say, well, can you show me in the brain where this disease is? That's all people have to do. Say, please show me where the disease is.
0: Well, my son is going to love you. Oh, my God, my son is going to so love you. Okay? (laughs) My my son who just turned 20. um, and, you know, I put him in the film, and somebody was like, oh, you can't, like, you know, you can't just have him say it like that, you know, and he says, well, you know, the drink just doesn't pick itself up and pour it down your mouth, you know, and he did, like, a, a research paper for high school, And but then I interviewed my guy, and I'm listening to you now, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's so nice, it's so refreshing to talk to somebody who's so sane, you know, so tell me where you're at, like, what are you studying, say, right now, what's going on in your work that's exciting?
1: Uh, I'm doing studies that are looking at cocaine users trying to help test various medications to help treat them. I'm Mm -hmm. testing cognitive functioning in in cocaine users, and I'm doing drug combinations like a stimulant along with a sedative like an opioid or something like that. So a number of studies, but I'm really trying to uh, also uh, reach the public. So I'm working on a new book and those sorts of things as well.
0: And much ma- have you been doing a lot of speaking right? I mean have you been all over the country with this book A lot during... of
1: speaking a lot, mm-hmm. lot of speaking every, every weekend I'm somewhere yes,
0: wow, that's exciting. I think it's really important and I saw you i'm gonna everybody i li- right now we're talking to uh Professor Dr. Carl Hart, and his book is uh high price and If you haven't looked at some of my bloggers were already posting stuff of, about your website, which I hadn't gone to. And there are some really great videos, uh, fellow bloggers out there who, who is listening right now. Uh, all these, you at the, um, when you testified in yes. um, Congress. And uh, can you want to talk a little bit about it? Because I couldn't watch it all. But what happened there?
1: So uh, I think it was June 20th, Congress called uh, a hearing um, uh, to look at uh the the real sort of science behind marijuana. And the witnesses were uh, Norval Kyle, the director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse, and um, uh, this guy from um, the uh, Food and Drug Administration, he represented those guys. And Congress wanted to look into marijuana, uh, what was going on. And so that was a really that's a really important sort of hearing that people should look at because mm-hmm. um, the the director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse uh, uh, basically regurgitated a lot of the sort of concern myths as, as I call them about right. marijuana, uh,
0: right. the
1: gateway drug, the addictive yeah. potential of marijuana, a wide range of sort of things, and mm-hmm. it gave me an opportunity, and it gave the the Congress an opportunity to. Uh, set the record straight, if you will, or to challenge Mm -hmm. some of the assumptions and statements that were made. And it was done in a very public way. And so it was done in a way such that the best evidence wins. And so people should go and look at this on their own and they can see what the evidence really is.
0: That is fantastic. I will. I'm going to watch it all and I'm going to watch all of your uh the videos that are posted there. So folks, if you're listening, it's uh Dr. Carl, drcarlhart.com, and he has them you go to all his media and you can see everything there that's up on YouTube. Um, let me see what else. Uh I'm am just navigating back here to my studio. Um so I think I had sent you an email. Uh, It seems like you're – well, let me ask you this first. Is your focus mostly on crack and cocaine, or do you have any interest in alcohol and what happens Uh, No, I I
1: didn't really – I haven't – I I published on alcohol a a little bit, but I don't do much alcohol work. I have been focused on mainly the illegal drugs because uh, alcohol is legal and – it didn't need an advocate like me. It needed different types of advocates. And so, um I, I wanted to go after the drugs that were most vilified in our society. And so I think Yeah. In
0: yeah. hmm You're interested heroin, in heroin,
1: crack, methamphetamine, I'm very interested in those drugs.
0: Do you know somebody who is doing a studies with bad alcohol who's not a stepper?
1: Uh, most of the people uh well, I'm sorry I shouldn't say that a large number of researchers who are doing work with alcohol are not steppers
0: mm. but because I think the yeah, people, go ahead
1: mm-hmm. but it's they walk a fine line they I don't know if they will tell you they're not steppers but in private they are not steppers oh, and so they okay. are they are afraid to um, irritate anyone who might be steppers and someone who might um, have some influence over their funding. And so I don't wow. know what kind of honesty you will get from people.
0: Wow, how interesting because one of the things I think I had thought after I had you know started to watch your stuff and your videos was because of my film I traveled all over the country and I actually Skype and talked to people all over the world. And there's this big movement of all these people leaving AA with a lot of time. So a lot of us had decades or, you know, 17 years, 20 years, 30-something years who were all drinking moderately. Now, there's some people who are not, right? And we talk about who needs deprogramming, what does that matter for some, you know. But there's this big lie in our culture, and we've seen, like, I think it's really sad that Robin Williams is dead and Philip Seaman Hoffman were dead, and it's really because of AA. And there's a thing, and I live in Hollywood, so it's like really, you know, in, in your face here. But, you know, there is science. Like, it's not like we're in the Middle Ages, and so part of, I feel like I need to educate, and that will be also my job with the film, is to educate people, but that I would love to hook up and speak to someone who's doing research and say, look, I have a whole group of people who you could talk to and see that this is not true, that you can drink again. You know what I mean? It's like that thing, oh, if you use heroin, you can never drink alcohol, what N.A. does. And I know that this is not your this is not your fight. It's my fight. You know what I mean? To d de- yeah. to say this is not true. If you're a heroin addict, or most of the heroin addicts that you know have spoken to me and other bloggers, they can drink one beer, they can smoke one you know thing of pot, and they're not going to go on a bender. It's not their thing.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a there's a um, a researcher up in um, at the University of Washington, Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Bill George. Uh, you know Alan Marlette's work. Do you know Alan mm-hmm. Marlette's work?
0: I don't. No, I'm writing the names down. Alan Marlette. Uh,
1: Alan Marlet was a guy who showed many years ago that people could drink moderately. Who mm-hmm. People have been identified as um, uh, alcoholics and so forth. And he showed many, many years ago that that was a... Uh, That was uh, a lie, basically, and Mm -hmm. that they couldn't drink. Um, And uh, he is the grandfather of this sort of moderation, drinking moderation. Mm -hmm. So Alan Marlette is dead now. Um, But uh, Bill George, who was a graduate student with him many years ago, uh, continues to run that lab at the University of Washington. So you should get in touch with Bill, and Bill will have some interesting things to
0: say. Okay, I will do that. Uh, We have a caller in the queue. You want to take a call? This is
1: very
0: special. It's up to you. Yeah, I do. Actually, it's my husband, Kevin. He's calling in, so we're going to take a call. Kevin, you're on. You have a question for Dr. Carl Hart?
2: Hey, Monica.
0: Hey, Monica, how you doing? I'm good. How are you?
2: Good, good. Dr. Hart, how are you? Hey, Kevin, nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you man. I'm a big fan of your work uh, thank you so much uh you know for you know for you know for making uh, people like me happy to hear you know a voice like yours on the air um thank you thank I wanted to say you're welcome um you know i have been very involved in the program I'm not anymore but just going back to what you said about the disease and stuff like that i i I couldn't agree with you more um you know, I would say, why is it, you know, why are people saying it's a disease? And, be, you know, because everyone else was saying it, I would say it. You know what I mean? It was yeah. sort of like, I don't know if it was a peer pressure thing or whatever, but I I was one of those people that walked around saying, okay, it's a disease. And then, uh, you know, looking back now, it's just completely ludicrous. And uh, then other people would say, they'd backtrack, okay, well, it's a spiritual malady. And I'm like, well, that's oxymoron. I think be spiritual at this malady at the same time. You know what I mean. So, and I dealt with my racism. I dealt with racism quite a bit in the program too. For one example, one person they would celebrate uh, birthdays. You know, they would you take cakes and stuff like that for your annual like you know amount of time for being sober. And one person that I had known that was you know, always considerably nice to me wasn't this particular time. Didn't he want to shake my hand when I, uh, you know, you know, went to congratulate him, uh, and that. You know, going back, he said that uh, him and his wife were uh, robbed and they had their wedding ring stolen. And I said, oh, okay. And I take it that these people who robbed you were black. He said, yes, <laughs> okay, so that's why you're not talking to me.
1: You know what I mean? It,
2: it, it, even, it, even in a program that's supposed to be spiritual, you know, you can deal with that kind of gar- nonsense too. You know what I mean? But yeah. I meant to ask, what I meant to ask you was, what's your view of 12-step recovery, that kind of thing, and rehabs? And do you have an opinion on them at all?
1: Yeah, people ask me about uh, that sort of thing. Uh, in terms of twelve-step recovery, I, I I am so reluctant to. So um, I guess have to separate this. And when it comes to talking about drugs, I don't think they know anything about drugs. That's number one. Right. But that's not so. That's not so bad. Most people in this society don't. Number two, the thing that I try to separate is that there are some people who really uh, enjoy and need that type of social interaction and in those social relationships and I don't want to just disrupt right. those social relationships but in terms of uh, what they do with drugs that's just simply wrong there's so much misinformation out there well and okay. and I, I, well, and uh, I think yeah. that I think as I think about other programs too my my major concern is that people get too focused on the drug and not mm-hmm. individuals problems and issues and right. one, one shoe doesn't fit all so we have to figure out we have to give people a really good assessment before we can start talking about any treatments and too often that really good assessment doesn't happen oh uh, that's so
0: true that's so true uh, and i think that uh, is uh the thing that i'm yeah. are, you, are you good kev can i put you on hold yes absolutely thank you okay thank you so much good Dr. good talking to you kev Thanks for take calling, care, Kevin. Take care. Okay. All right, Monica. Take bye, Monica. Bye, bye. Bye. All right. Thanks again. We we're talking to Dr. Carl Hart, and he's at Columbia University, and his new book is called High Price. Um, so, what has been like some of the best things you've experienced after writing this book and going around? What do you like the most about what's going on with educating people?
1: The thing that I like most is there have been a number of people, a number of children, and when I say children, I mean young adults, mm-hmm. who have said, after reading your book, I now look at my parent differently who used drugs. Mm-hmm. I used to think that they were the scum of the earth or so the worst person, but after reading your book, I now know that there are larger factors and that my parent is just human. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that has been the most rewarding thing about this whole process.
0: Mhm. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's good. And you came out here, though. I guess I missed you, huh? You were out here when? In Los Angeles? I was
1: out there two weeks ago. I. Um, oh,
0: my uh, God. Where were yeah, you three, two, I was two weeks out, ago? Uh,
1: I was at uh, Occidental, Oxy, and I oh. was also, uh, I went to see Bill, the Bill Marshall. show, um, uh... and you know those people so that was, i was there for uh, a weekend or so
0: Wow, i'm sorry that i i didn't know but i i don't think i was following you yet you know on facebook i think i had looked you up and was like watching um, but i i didn't i would have gone to Occidental to hear you speak but thank god for the internet so uh... for those who just you know if anybody listened in again i'm sorry there is no chat room today I'm i can't believe i'm bummed down i am about to fix that soon that we are talking with Dr. Carl Hart. And um, uh, so, you know, um, the where, how, let, let me rephrase, think go. I'm going to ask you this question. I feel like that we need to sort of come together as a community, the people who think like you do and I do, and certainly scientists. We have all kinds of wonderful scientists that have been on Bill Maher, right, that you know, but that. The AA people and I know that I don't want to pull you into that controversy because that's my welcome controversy that I'm taking on as an inside whistleblower, right? But yeah, you know more about that than me. uh, Yeah, I know like way too much that you know. But it's got to be done. The thing is, is that they know how to sort of you know stick together and they're going to help each other. And then they're in this secret, you know, secret society and secret cult and wink, wink, nod, nod, you know. And he's a judge and he's a lawyer and we're going to help each other. We, and they're all now in these big places, right? Some are... But there's this whole part that you said that's so important. And, um, you know, teenagers should never be told that they're broken for life and that they have a disease that they're going to have forever. And that's a crime. And that, But I do think that how could we... I guess we're doing it, right? You're doing it with your book, and I'm here with the yeah. radio show, and I'm making a film that's going to come out eventually. And... Um, CBS News is doing a piece on exposing, the, you know, that the courts are ordering violent offenders and sex offenders. They're actually dealing with the violent offenders being court-ordered to Alcoholics Anonymous, where there's no one in charge and women are getting murdered. So in case you didn't know that, like that's... Wow,
1: I did not know that. I did not Right,
0: that's why I'm making the film. You know, I'm making the film. The, the other things came to me, but over that I said, that's enough, this needs to stop. And so CBS 48 Hours is doing a piece, and that will come out. And, you know, we need to have a conversation that when you get a DUI, you know, everybody doesn't have a problem. But we there there are people all over the country and all over the world that think like you do and I do. But how can we come together and, and bring it? It's like what you said. The people who have the problem have the biggest voice in our culture.
1: Yes, that's that, that been historically what has happened, but that's changing. You know, with the publication of High Price, um, mm-hmm. there are we are now giving people space to talk about these things. I got invited to talk at Congress, and they now know this, and they have space to say, hey, they have space to challenge the prevailing nar- narrative that they did not have previously. I think about... Um, the Attorney General, Eric Holder, uh, t- uh, yeah. he is talking about the the the, um, the, the concern about how we are uh, uh, policing drug, uh, particularly drug related viola- uh, dra- violations. But mm-hmm. I think high price helped to give him and other people the space and the evidence to challenge these sorts of things that concern us. And so I think that. As long as we continue to talk and continue to be honest and continue to hold pe- people's feet to the fire, I think that uh, we're doing – we're certainly doing more than the generation before us. We're certainly doing more, let's say, for example, than people did five, ten years before us. So it, it, we're moving. There are a number of people out here who are doing similar sorts of things, number of organizations, Drug Policy Alliance. There are normal organizations. Uh, uh, normal is the National Organization for Marijuana Law Reform. Reform, right. uh, reforming marijuana law. So a num- a number of these people are out here and they are working and we're giving people space to to get this message out.
0: Yeah, I I really I think you're right. The Drug Policy Alliance, um, I certainly have donated to them and I was telling my sons and all their friends, you know, that you need to get involved in this, this whole generation um in in the states that it, where it's legal, um everybody smokes it. You know what I mean? Um, it's I, I know somebody who I met recently who cured herself from bladder cancer with tablets that she took for two weeks, and uh, you know that there's some really good effects, uh, especially of marijuana. And um, but I, I think you're right. I think uh, when I saw Eric Holder stepping down, I, I think that sometimes in those positions maybe they can't do the work that they could do if they're not in those positions. Posi- like what you're able to do, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't no, I'm not gonna go that far. I don't I don't ever wanna let government officials off the hook. I mean, it's like um for me it is more honorable to be asked to leave by doing the right thing as opposed mm. to saying, I can't do it because I'm in this position. That's cowardly. Oh. I, I can't, I can't, um, I can't endorse that. I know I would not encourage my children, for example, to take a position where they they are muted and then they sit there and be muted without saying, "Well, I'm going to do the right thing," and you can ask me to step down, and it will be a very public sort of, um, um, it'll be a public uh, display of why I was asked to step down. People mm-hmm. will know. Uh, and so I think one of the problems with our society is that we are, we have accepted that sort of narrative, like, well, you know, he's the president, he can't say this, or he's in this role, he can't say this. Why can't he? I'm sorry. Is he right. saying anything that is so crazy? I don't think so. He's saying what is right, and he's trying to help us be better. That's what we call leadership.
0: Yeah, Noel, no wonder I like you. Yeah, because you have a lot of courage, you know. I think you're courageous, and uh, I think that um, I am myself. I think that media, uh, you know, when you have shows like uh, Honey Boo Boo or, you know, Naked People uh, running through uh, whatever the new show on, and then you have um, the Jersey People uh, where Snooki got paid, you know, as much as some amazing writer, you know, to speak at some university back east a friend of mine who's a journalist was telling me this story that i think that there's stuff in our media today that is very um what's the word uh kind of people i mean like even my son said it. i'll just say this so my son said you know mom you know what the problem is with the world today he said you know you had marvin gay and we have justin bieber okay <laughs> so like that's really bad like where is our marvin gay and so i went and i went to amoeba and i got him you know, I uh, got him a, a D- CD, and then we went back to Amoeba and got the LP, which made it even better.
2: But,
1: <laughs> but, but, but you, know, but see, you have to you have to remind your son that Marvin Gaye only did it on one album. If he listened to all, all of Marvin Gaye, he'll just see that Marvin Gaye was singing bubblegum stuff.
0: But he did and that before. So, he did that before. He. I mean, I. I. Did you ever see his life story? I mean, they actually canceled his deal. He had to leave that yes, record label he yes, was with. Yes. Yes. Right. You're going to tell yes. me something bad about Marvin Gaye and upset no, me? Or no, 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 no. I, I wanted my book. <laughs> uh, you, you
1: know, I, I, I wanted my book to be called Trouble Man because of yeah. the song Trouble Man. You know, so yeah. I, Marvin Gaye is one of my my heroes. I. It's, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that one of the things that we have to be careful about is that we – somehow we sometimes uh, see uh, the past in this glorious light that it wasn't. Right. And right. so uh, we, we think right. about Marvin Gaye, we had Marvin Gaye, we had Curtis Mayfield, we had a number of people saying very conscious things but right. that didn't happen as a result necessarily of those people it right. was a zeitgeist. So when I look at our artists today I don't blame our artists, I blame us I think that we, one of the things we 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 have failed, we have failed to educate the artists. Those artists, Marvin Gaye and those folks, were being educated by a number of smart people who were dissatisfied with the society. We had Vietnam, we had the right. women's movement, we had the civil rights movement. Right. Right. We had all of these and movements there. going on. If you were an artist and you weren't getting educated, you were, something was wrong with you. Today, we have been co-opted. Our artists have been co-opted. Our academics have been co-opted. Our scientists have been co-opted.
0: Let's see. And I know I'm not crazy, but a lot of it has to do with AA brainwashing, and it's big time. And I didn't believe it, but three years later, they came to my grade school. What what was AA doing in a grade school? And they didn't co-opt my parents because they didn't buy into it. But I am the first generation. I was born in 57 And, you know, we drank like any other teenagers, or maybe I drank a little more, but that for generation after generation to tell a group of people that you are powerless and that you should cease fighting everything and everyone... That you shouldn't get angry, and if you look deep into the Big Book, which I'm sure you didn't and don't care to, because it's a poorly written book (laughs) from the 30s, it's a piece of shit that needs to be burned. But yet we have senators. You know, we once had a guy running for president actually sit on like one of those shows, like where there's five guys sitting around a table on Fox, and says, "Well, this is good for everybody." You know, the, the AA steps are what, which is fucking nonsense, right? but you know i mean i think that if you if you look and, and listen to how people talk and i i mean i was at a starbucks and someone was like oh i'm so addicted to my latte you know i'm like oh my god and i was like no you're not <laughs> addicted to that fucking Yes, laughing. yes, you yes, like it. Yes, you know we. we you yeah. like that. It's like oh, I'm so. Oh, I'm this. I'm so. I'm a pussy. You know, guys, they're not yeah. womanizers now. They're sex addicts. It's yeah. like no, you're no, not. No, I
1: feel you. I I know. I feel you. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I'm I'm with you. I am Absolutely. <laughs> You and I, you, you, amen, sister. Go ahead.
0: Well, no, I mean, and I'm really uh, appreciative and honored, you know, that you, to be on my show. I've had other authors um, on the show, but I'll go through phases where I'll have more, you know, tearing it up and exposing. But I feel that it, when I saw you, just how important it is for me to connect with people like yourself that are especially calling it what it is, Carl, which is... Um, as a scientist, it's not a disease, and that is, if that's the message that you get out there, along with talking about racism and poverty, it's like who cares about poverty? I can't believe I was reading in your book. It's like what yeah. f- was it uh, what, Johnson? Talk about what Johnson did. The right? war on poverty. Yeah. yeah. Like mean, I mean, are we not yeah. a president yet who like let's you know have a war on? They'd be like, look at you and like what?
1: <laughs> yes. Well, you know, we had a president who who uh, signed legislation to support the war on poverty because he was being pushed. He was being pushed by people like Martin Luther King. He was being pushed by civil rights leaders. Now, make no mistake about it, Johnson was not enthusiastic about having a war on poverty. That was not what he wanted to do, but these folks pushed him. And we don't have that same sort of pushing of the current guy, and that's right. the problem.
0: They yeah, were the leaders. Where are the leaders with balls?
1: Exactly. Hmm. They they have all been co opted. They have. They are. It's more important to be invited to the White House and be um, on the president's good side as opposed to being having any cri- critique or crit- critical analysis of anything that he's doing or this administration or or, the, or any other administration. So it's like I, I I don't know. I mean I I just I know. When I look in the mirror at my children, I know, I want them to say that they know that their father did his best to make our world better, particularly for people who couldn't do it for themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty powerful. Um, wow, it's cool. So again, I'm talking to Dr. Professor Carl Hart from Columbia University, and his book is High Price. Where is the next place you're going to speak?
1: Uh, next place I'm going to speak is on Friday at the University of Florida Law School in Gainesville. Uh, going to be in discussion with uh, about marijuana legalization with the former Deputy Drug czar uh, Bertha Matris, uh, and she has a completely different perspective. So that should be fun. Um, oh my God, be, that sounds yeah.
0: killer. Oh that sounds Yeah, so,
1: that, that would be fun. So, wow. And the current the current drugs are by the way, I think he's a stepper. Do you do you know him? Uh, yeah, he's a
0: stepper. Uh, yeah, I don't know him personally yeah. but yeah, he's good he's a totally and he's an AA member. So they like to use the yeah, state up language. Yeah, yeah
1: mm-hmm. you should make sure you you expose some of the stuff that is happening there. That'll be great.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm trying. I mean I like to have a finished film like like you know, I did my second cut, that's where I'm at, and I'm trying to get the insurance that I need and uh looking for distribution. But I certainly uh Yeah, it does. Like it's nonsense. Like how can you have somebody who's an AA, a VR drug czar and with that kind exactly. of black and thinking be open minded exactly. like I Yeah. Exactly. So you're gonna be talking with Wow, so uh how do they feel in Florida about the legalization of marijuana
1: i uh, I really don't know, nor do I care. um, <laughs> I'm going there to I'm going there to like say what the evidence is, and uh um,
0: right.
1: that's that's why I'm going to try and provide some education.
0: Wow, well, that is so cool and then where else next? do you have another date after that
1: <sighs> yeah, um. I'll be in Sacramento, I think, on Monday, next Monday, testifying in court.
0: Oh, really? Um,
1: yeah, about marijuana's uh, legal status at the federal level. So, um, oh my God, marijuana is is a, yeah, marijuana is a Schedule One drug, and um, uh, there are people fighting to challenge that uh, classification, and I'll, I'll be an expert witness in that case, um, and then. I think I'm uh, I'm off to Liverpool in November, and um, uh, I think I do something at Lehigh University also in November.
0: So anybody, I have listeners all over the world. I know I have. A, there's a lot of people in the UK who uh, hate AA and are ex-steppers. So they're listening. Everybody out there over the pool, I mean over the pond. We have leaving AA in the UK blog that a woman created, who I think is a social worker. But so it'll be over there. And um, let me see, um, the the Sacramento thing, man, I wish I, I can't, uh, there's a, so I'm following, there was a murder trial that I followed in my film, the murder of Carla Brada, and and mm-hmm. he got murder one, and we're all really happy about that, and then the sentencing is happening on Monday. Otherwise, I, I actually would have come up there to, um, if I could have witnessed that and interview you, I certainly would. Um, I wanted to interview you when I first came across you and saw that stuff, but you were just releasing your book, I think, and uh, were very very busy, you know. And I wasn't, uh, I I didn't know if you fit into the film, you know what I mean? It's sort of I wanted a scientist, an expert person to say what you just said here on my radio show, you know. But um,
1: next well, time, your next film, this will blow up. So, okay, next my film. next
0: film. Well, I want to thank you. Is there anything else you want to say anything to our listeners?
1: No, I just thank you for supporting the program. Please continue to, and um, because it's our world and all of us together, we will reach out and help each other out. And Reach out to me. I am willing to help anybody who wants to change this miserable sort of situation that we have in terms of our government regulating drugs and their views on drugs.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much. Anytime you have anything that's happening, you can cross promote it on my pages. You know what I mean? Right where it all. says you can share thank stuff. You. Yeah, feel free to do that, and or send me an email, and I'll promote for you on all the platforms, on Twitter, and on my three Facebook pages, and even on my blog. Again, I want to thank uh, Carl Hart, Dr. Professor Carl Hart from Columbia University, uh, who wrote the book, High Price. I want to thank you again. It was really nice to have you on. And, uh,
1: Same to I'll you, Monica. To you soon. take care of yourself. Take okay, care. Okay, all
0: right. Thank you. Good luck Bye-bye. in Florida. Okay, give him help. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you again. We have two minutes left to the show, and uh, it was really wonderful talking to him. And I will have actually coming up, we're going to have on um, the lawyer uh, who handled the case up in uh, San Francisco? I haven't confirmed it yet, though, but um, yeah, that should be exciting that First Amendment rights uh, case that happened. And again, it is uh, October 21st, 2014. Thank you so much for Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. I'm Monica Richardson, I'm your host. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.